Hey everyone, today's episode of Product Explained is brought to you by Exponent. Interested in pursuing a career in tech? Exponent can help you with coaching, courses, and community for aspiring young professionals. Check out Exponent today at www.tryexponent.com. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. So hey Jeff, what do you get when you mix Vine with YouTube? Vine with YouTube. Uh, it's just another streaming product failure, maybe? Well, you're spot on for today's show. Today's show, we're talking about Quibi, a short form streaming platform that lived and died in 2020. Just like my hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so what Quibi was, so Quibi uh, was a streaming service and they built content formatted specifically for smartphones. Their tagline was quick bites and big stories. Uh, their shows were less than 10 minutes and they called them chapters or quick bites, hence the name Quibi. Uh, and you could watch it from your phone. Uh, the goal with Quibi was to show videos, premium content from Hollywood's biggest stars just a few minutes so you can feel refreshed after staring at your smartphone. Their business model was pretty straightforward. They had two different subscription tiers. They had a lower tier at $4.99 per month that was supported with ads and a $7.99 model with no ads. Uh, and customers, you downloaded the app via Android or iOS um, and watched it on your phone. They offered a 90-day free trial to start in April when they launched in April 2020 and a 14-day free trial in May and June. So let's talk about this a bit more, Mike. First of all, the name Quibi from the QUI is from Quick, and then the BI is from Bytes, and they got the name Quibi. They say that they got the name Quibi from Quick Bytes, but I almost feel like they named it Quibi first and then tried to figure out what it was derived from later. I don't know. Quick Bytes just seems like a like a backwards thing to kind of derive from Quibi to me. It didn't. I don't know. Hundred percent agree. They're probably just working with a trademark lawyer, saying, "Hey, what's the what's the name we can trademark that is kind of catchy and starts with a Q?" They covered this specific topic in Silicon Valley. Do you remember? Um, they're saying we need a name that sounds like rolls <laughs> off the tongue, and they kept saying like Google and Hooli, and they're like Pied Piper. <laughs> Pied Piper was not a sexy name totally. by any means. Um, Quibi's just one of those names. It just doesn't seem as poignant and like memorable as some of the other names like Vine, even TikTok. So it's just funny because I think getting the name right is kind of difficult. And I don't really think they hit in this particular case. Definitely. I mean, if we're going off Silicon Valley references, maybe they missed out on the two week mushroom adventure in the <laughs> desert to try to get inspired for the for a name. Yeah, like I, I think what's interesting about Quibi is uh, like Mike mentioned, it's just another streaming platform, right? It doesn't feel that different compared to like Vine or YouTube. When I think about Quibi, I think of that meme where they say, <laughs> copy my homework, but make it different. And <laughs> it's like, it doesn't seem like <laughs> there's definitely. that, you know, it's that different to me compared to its competitors. I mean, you can make the same argument for, let's say another show that we've done, which was Netflix, comparing Netflix to Hulu or Disney Plus. The biggest difference is that Hulu has live sports. Hulu has live sports and <laughs> Disney has Star Wars and Disney and all this other stuff. And Netflix has their own originals. But Quibi's, I guess Quibi did have their own original content as well, if I remember correctly. And yep. um, they had shows that were dedicated to this 10 minute show format. 
I'll be honest, I, like probably most of you listening at home, did not ever download Quibi, but I was very well aware of uh, who they were because of their very strong marketing campaign. Like they had a lot of commercials come out through 2020 about, you know, what is a Quibi? And um, it just felt like there were these quick snapshot commercials. I remember Chrissy Teigen was in one and, uh, you know, there's other artists and superstars that were trying to pitch Quibi to people. Same for me. I, I heard about Quibi, but I never actually <laughs> downloaded and used the service. Um, I think I heard about it during the Super Bowl where there was this ad where uh, someone was trying to rob a bank and their driver wasn't there. He said he was watching a Quibi mm-hmm. and it was like Quibi 10 minutes or less, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought was interesting. But I think to your point about, you know, how like how different is this? And it's not really that different. I mean, their biggest differentiator was short content, you know, 10 minutes or less. I, I don't know if that's really something you can differentiate on here's the thing i think twitter ruined tech for a lot of people and i say that because (laughs) listen i say that because what was twitter's biggest feature that made them popular was the character limits by making you forcefully choose what you're writing uh you you put a lot more intent into what you're writing uh you can't just go out and write a wall of text i mean now there's threads so they kind of cheat a little bit but i think the idea was that if we can shorten or cut off what we're doing, then we're trying to pack in a ton of value in a really short amount of time. TikTok obviously did a really good job of this, right? I don't know what their actual run times are for TikTok, but they're probably like 30 seconds or something like that. They're super hyper short. So content is one, relatively easy to create, um, but also you know it's super short and you kind of get the point really quickly. YouTube could be something as short as 30 seconds or it could be something as long as a three hour feature. I don't think there's a cap on the limitation of how long your YouTube videos are. Um, I've definitely seen some 10-hour videos of just uh, memes, <laughs> like <laughs> whatever meme songs, like the Pokemon song. Oh, that's Endless right. Runtime. Yeah, that's right. They do do music. They will do like looping music for like, ten, I think it's like Listen to the Rain for 10 hours or something like that, or like Dogs exactly. Howling for three hours or something. <laughs> but to your point, that like, that's not a content story. It's just like a filler. Right, that, like, right. Yeah. So I wonder why, like, you know, from a product manager's perspective, you wonder, okay, if you're going to offer something else strategically, and, you know, in this case, they're offering 10 minute episodes, why 10 minutes? And the, the second question I have is, what's going to stop YouTube from doing the same thing? You know, like focusing people's attention towards 10 minute, five minute episodes. I get it. You know, a lot of times YouTube videos, they want them to be short and snappy so that you do end up watching all of it and coming back. And, you know, I think a lot of people lose interest if the YouTube video is super, super long. If it's not like a recording, uh, you know, if it's more like an instructional video or something along those lines or an episode. But like, I don't understand why they thought that somebody else couldn't do the same thing they were doing. Maybe they felt like they were hanging their hat on the content that they were producing. I don't know. That's that's my take too. Because to answer your question of like, could someone do this? Like YouTube already does that with all of YouTube's content they create mm-hmm. i mean yeah or even just like the influencers that are on youtube or just youtubers that are famous like casey neistats that put out you know casey put out like i think three years of vlogs that were all eight to 15 minutes long yeah and, you know it does seem like the differentiation that quibi was going after was that premium of hollywood's biggest stars i know mm-hmm. i know that one yeah. of their shows um, had Lawrence Fishburne, and he um, ended up winning two Emmys for that content. So it, it was that that big draw name. But um, to be honest, like I didn't hear about this show until 
we had to do this research in, into Quibi. So yeah. I feel like it was maybe putting the cart before the horse there. Maybe they needed to build up that that following and then bring that superstar content. Yeah, maybe. Like, who's that girl from Pitch Perfect? Do you know her name? Anna Kendrick? Yeah, she was in a Quibi show. Um, and I think there were some Quibi shows that were nominated and might have even won some Emmys. So I think there was some good content there. I mean, Netflix did it right. They brought on tried and true content first um, and they will limit it so that you're only watching, let's say, Harry Potter and there's a limited window that you can watch Harry Potter before they swap it with another movie, right? They they create this sense of urgency to come on the platform and listen um, and then they started to do original content that was available year-round. It's like, imagine you and I started a streaming platform and it was like Jeff and Mike's videos and we <laughs> we just like were putting stuff out there. I mean, I get it. You have the star power behind them, but... Even if you've noticed a lot of these like Netflix shows, there's a lot of new actors and actresses that are, I won't call them no names, but like up and coming actors and actresses that get on these Netflix shows and they have a lot of success because the content is well written and it's well produced and it's really good. It's not just about the name brand of the actors. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's the the money ball approach. So that's where my head first went when you were describing this, where Netflix knows like there's these super talented actors and actresses out there that they can get for like a, a certain price and like they'll just cap the budget and mm-hmm. they will like maybe pump that money into like the, the storytelling or the writing, like, um, like stranger things, for example, yeah. I don't think any actors or actresses of stranger things were well known. I think know? just Winona was, Ryder probably was like yeah. the biggest name on there. And obviously she kind of, it's kind of like a comeback story for her in a lot of ways, but yeah, like I agree with you. Like it's not like a star studded cast where everybody in that show is like, you know, a well-known A-list actor or actress and had been in like a ton of movies before. Like a lot of those people make their star in Netflix, um, which is really totally. cool. And that's, I think is really cool with Netflix is like, let's tell the best story possible. Uh, here, I feel like Quibi tried to flip that on its, uh, on its head and just say, hey, let's get the biggest stars we can. Mm-hmm. Let's shift gears now and talk about the history of the product and how Quibi came yeah. to be. So um, Quibi was founded in 2018, so not that long ago, at least for the publishing of this show, it's 2020, and they were originally called New TV. Founded by a guy named Jeffrey Katzenberg, and a woman named Meg Whitman was uh, the CEO when Quibi started. Soon after, uh, they renamed it to Quibi, and like you mentioned earlier, it was named after the phrase Quick Bites. In 2018, so the first year that they were founded, they raised $1 billion um, in funding. $1 billion unicorn status in 2018, the first year. And they raised it from major Hollywood film studios, TV companies and other media companies like Disney, 21st Century Fox, NBC, Sony, etc. So you, it makes you wonder, like, you know, Netflix versus licensing a lot of these titles from other people. Then they decide, we're just going to create our own content. And I think a lot of these companies were a little miffed that... They are creating content on their own and they don't need us anymore and it's doing really well. You saw Disney spin off and, you know, they started Disney Plus. Disney Plus is now its own powerhouse because they have a really well-established library of of, um, content. But like these other companies like 21st Century Fox, NBC, Sony, it makes you wonder if they wanted in on the success that streaming platforms were currently seeing in 2018. I think they did. And I think, I don't think it's just the success of, I mean, it definitely is a success that these uh, streaming services we're seeing. I think it's a, almost a channel play because Quibi is formatted only for mobile phones. You have to believe that these, you know, mm. Disney, 21st Century Fox, theater powerhouses 
are kind of scared. They're like, are people keep going to go to theaters? You know, don't take 2020 as the banner year for going to theaters. Right. <laughs> um, but what happens in the future with like when everyone's glued to their smartphones? Like how do we deliver content there? So I think, you know, mm. I, I could definitely see, you know, if I'm an executive from any of these companies and I'm getting a pitch from uh, this new startup called Quibi that, that's saying I'm that, hey, we're going to help you win the mobile uh, smartphone right. category. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm like, oh, yeah, like let's play ball. So yeah, I, I can see I can see that hook. Yeah, totally. And let me put it this way. I don't blame any of the media companies for putting in um, the money that they did, because if it hit, I think this company would have been worth way more than the billion dollars that they they raised. So I don't think it was that risky for them to try to find the next big thing. When you see TikTok blow up to the way that they are to, to the size that they are now, I mean, you definitely want to be in early wave of the next one of those. A point on like the funding of like a billion dollars. I I have to imagine that the risk tolerance of these companies to put up a billion dollars, even if it was like, let's say Disney putting up, I don't even know what they invested, let's call it $100 million just to start the conversation. You know, they invest hundreds of million dollars into a single movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're willing to make that like singular one bet risk, especially if you frame it not necessarily as a, a tech investment, but just as a content investment. You know, it's like, hey, like dump in $100 million and we're going to get X return from Mm. delivering it on this new channel. Yeah, exactly. So Quibi was, uh, they announced that they were going to launch in April of 2020. They made that announcement sometime in 2019. And by late 2019, they'd actually sold out of their whole first year of ad inventory, which amounted to something like 150 million. So pretty decent ad revenue, considering that it's a five to 10 minute show. And, you know, to sell out your whole first year's ad revenue as a brand new platform is pretty impressive. With zero customers. With zero customers at the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So this this is all on hype. And as you know, sometimes hype doesn't mean everything, uh, especially on this show. So the product, when it did launch in April of 2020, hit number three most downloads in the App Store. But within a week, fell out of the top 50, which that's a big red flag. I think a lot of times you only see those downloads just keep skyrocketing and growing or they might hold for some time. But, you know, that tells me that a lot of people checked it out because of all this hype and immediately the product itself wasn't good enough. A lot of Quibi's failures were blamed largely on COVID-19 from the leadership, which is funny. I think that because it's a streaming platform, because people are at home, they might have more free time that they would have been spending going outdoors, but now they're at home. I would think that it would have done a little bit better. I mean, you look at Netflix and Netflix has done really, really well during COVID-19. Think about Tiger King. There's a ton of titles that came out. I mean, it was kind of a banner year for Netflix. So I won't go out and say that COVID-19 was necessarily the, the cause of the failures of Quibi. I think that it had to do with maybe the content or the product itself. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I can see where you would, the knee-jerk reaction to blame COVID-19 because the whole foundation of the product is a 10-minute video or less. Mm-hmm. So imagine like you're in the subway going to work or you're yeah. just need 10 minutes to kill because you're out and about like living your your life in a pre-COVID world. And now that you're at home, like you don't necessarily need that small content. You just want to binge for hours and hours at a time. And so maybe it, it's broken. So I can see that argument being made. But to your point, though, it's like it's still content. And, you know, YouTube is still wildly successful in terms of viewership during COVID-19. And it's the same format of like 10-ish minutes um, mm-hmm. in terms of the content delivery. So I I, I also don't buy it. But I, I can see where the knee-jerk reaction would be to just tell your investors like, it's it's COVID-19. I mean, they obviously have to blame it on something. And 
I think people didn't buy it because you look at, like you said, YouTube and Netflix, these longer format type streaming platforms. And then you look at TikTok. TikTok obviously also did really well during COVID-19. I mean, it's been around for some time now. You can't really blame the fact that people aren't watching videos in your industry because you look at longer form and shorter form. Both are performing relatively well. So obviously they were tracking below their projections. And by June of that year, they actually implemented voluntary executive pay cuts of 10% remember they launched in April. So it wasn't that long before they realized there was an issue, but still they raised another $750 million in funding, even while there was growing reports that they were seeking acquisition. Uh, So, you know, just keep raising money. Everything will be okay. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Um, But finally in October of 2020, six months after their launch, Quibi had announced that they were going to shut down. I think they officially announced that it's going to be sometime in December. So by the time of us recording the show, they might have even already been shut down. And at the time that they had made this announcement, they had only 500,000 subscribers to the platform. So $2 billion. And this is kind of what they get at the end, which is kind of sad. I mean, not even worth acquiring, I think, you know, 500,000 subscribers. I mean, think about it this way. They're Instagrammers <laughs> themselves that have more subscribers um, than the whole platform of Quibi. Just to play devil's advocate to counter that, you know, if you think of it less of it as a tech company and more of a just content play, how many movies have spent $2 billion and only had 500,000 watchers to it? So right. if you think of it like yeah. if it's just like a one-time and, and granted like the, the Quibi's business models, recurring revenue monthly, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a one-time content acquisition. How does that change? But I, I wonder like what that looks like from an accounting perspective from all these traditional studio films that that did end up investing $2 billion. Because that's, that's a significant amount of money to only get 500,000 uh, subscribers. That's a yeah. huge, yeah. you know, customer acquisition cost. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's insane. I mean, the thing I think about too, when you mention that they could just be a content company is if that was the case, why wouldn't they try to host their content on, I mean, what they would consider a competitor and then after some success, then pull their content and then host it on their own platform. It seemed like they wanted to kind of double down and felt like their content was worthy enough for other people to come or convert or, you know, spend their time on the Quibi platform versus some of their, you know, future competitors. So, I mean, you know, they doubled down. Um, it could have worked. I mean, if their content was really good, then we would have had another app that, you know, is diverting attention from our eyeballs and now have to worry about Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, Disney Plus, TikTok, and also Quibi. Yeah. And, and maybe that would have been a better play if they were going to rewind Quibi to, you know, 2018 when it was founded is maybe they should have just been a studio that mm-hmm. creates yeah. optimized content for cell phones. Yeah, exactly. And then if that was successful, then spin off your old. I think they tried to own, they, they tried to vertically integrate yep. right away. Yeah. And maybe they should have tested that. And I think that's something that, you know, in the product world, is, is like whenever you can is just test mm-hmm. before you yep. can, you know, get something fully baked out there, just get some initial feedback data out so you don't have this $2 billion red mark on your <laughs> on your PL, yeah. which is what the team is looking at right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that same vein, you know, going after like who Quibi was for, really at the end of the day, what Quibi was for is it was for people with mobile phones. You know, mm-hmm. anyone that had a cell phone with five to 10 minutes to spare that they wanted to, to fill that time with content. So that demographic skews younger towards Gen Z and millennials that consume a ton of content from their phone. As Jeff mentioned, Quibi ended up with only 500,000 subscribers at the end. I think I saw reports that like roughly like 5.6 million people ended up downloading this app. But I think something that was really telling was that from their initial 90-day trial in April of 2020, 
only 8% of those customers converted Yikes. to paying customers. Yeah. And that's really telling, you know, to your point of like something's fundamentally broken if you're only able to convert mm-hmm. 8% after giving it away for free. Um, it wasn't like a truly lovable product that you shipped and, and, to, and to give some visibility of what that like what other numbers look like for streaming services that launched Disney Plus reached 9.5 million customers in the first three days yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they, they were able to granted it's Disney and they, they know how to do this content they've been doing it for for decades and they have the star power and the brand recognition of Marvel Star Wars on top of Disney but still just a massive difference there I'd be interested to know other freemium type models like what typical conversion looks like in terms of like what's successful i mean i'd guess that like spotify or other freemium type streaming models or whatever have like a probably more than eight percent right um (laughs) totally i think people don't mind spending a little bit of money if you're using something a platform that you really like and love and just don't want to hear the ads anymore i know i did that for Spotify and um, you know I'm sure people do that for for other platforms. Anecdote of one for uh, one of our previous episodes, Calm. Their conversion rate on me was 100 <laughs> percent because I converted to the uh, um, from the free trial to the year long subscription. What's crazy as well is they had a 90 day free trial. So I mean, if you think about human psychology, it usually takes roughly 12 weeks to form a habit. I guess 90 days is right around 12 weeks, right? So it's you know, mm-hmm. three months. The hope there is that you are habitually watching Quibi and you feel like it's more painful to stop watching the content than to just pay for premium pricing or whatever so that you can continue to get the content that they want. And even still, only 8% of customers were paying. So it tells you that people just didn't care. They were like, I can live without this. And so they, they yeah. decided not to pay. So that's super interesting. Like it gets me thinking of maybe their free trial period was too long. Mm. You know, maybe that it got baked into the like psychology that Quibi's a free service. Like, why would I pay $5 for this? You know, I got it for free for 90 days. Uh, it's not worth it for me to convert to that, you know, yeah. just because like, I expect it to be free at that point. So maybe they would have been better served with a, uh, like a two week, a shorter, yeah. exactly. Yeah. A two week trial period, um, or maybe just giving away free content. Um, and then maybe like the first one episode and then maybe the, the next two episodes, two through 10, you have to pay for Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, another thing to mention too, is that like with a shorter trial period, you basically can shorten your data analysis cycles a bit. And then you can understand like after two weeks, are people doing whatever they want? Maybe they were waiting for 90 days to pass before they can start analyzing cohorts of people. And that's just too long when it comes to a brand new product, right? I think there's an issue with that data model and how you're changing your product from what you're learning from the product itself. I'm sure they did a beta test, but like do a beta test. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. like you know with like a 90-day free trial and test multiple different cohorts lots of things to unpack with what they could have done differently in the uh customer acquisition front yeah so i think obviously we probably know who the competitors are in this space and we've talked about them multiple times in this show including youtube and netflix hulu uh tiktok and really any social media now like everyone has a stories feature which i hate it's the worst like why is there a fleet on twitter i don't understand worse than twitter i think is linkedin linkedin has oh stories. yes oh no yeah uh, like I, I i would also agree with that like uh, bravo to instagram for the stories feature i think it was a novel idea and really good everywhere else like why why like you're not going to add a payments platform to every product it's one of those things that i don't think everybody needs so anyways that's a story from another time how about we jump into our thoughts, Mike, about what we think about Quibi? I think it's pretty clear, but you know, maybe we can break it down a bit more. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I can kick things off. You know, I, I think that the product market fit definitely wasn't there. They obviously weren't successful as we discussed, but I, I think that they could have found a way to deliver that content a little bit differently. I think mm-hmm. that maybe the approach could have been not vertically integrating and going with the studio. We touched on the, the pricing a little bit with $5 in an ad supported model and then $8 for a totally free model. I think that it's really hard to get a gauge on how the pricing was because of that 90-day free trial. And I can't really analyze that cohort. Were customers willing to, to pay for that if it was if it was shorter and um, what that habit was like? Because maybe they just expected it to be free after having it for 90 days. Overall strategy is definitely interesting. I think that there's still lots of innovation for delivering content uh, in the mobile space. I think they're definitely onto something there. Um, yeah. I just don't think it was executed right. The founder was a former Hollywood exec. You know, his experience is, hey, let's raise a bunch of money and deliver this content. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the approach that they did with Quibi. It wasn't necessarily like the the high iteration, very agile methodology that you traditionally see in tech, specifically software. It was like, hey, let's just build this one singular thing and yeah. launch it all at once. So I think that's where the strategy fell down mm-hmm. is applying Hollywood's business model to tech. Customer experience, I can't really speak to it just because I never actually downloaded the app. I was not one of those 5.6 million customers (laughs) that did. I'll let the numbers speak for themselves with that good old 8% conversion after the 90-day free trial that it wasn't a good CX. Um, So yeah, overall, I I have to rank this like probably in the Juicero range (laughs) of less than a one star. I I don't even want to give a specific number, but if I could give it the half star rating. You can give it whatever percentage you want or whatever points that you want. (laughs) We'll give it a half star rating. The saving grace is that some of their content did win awards. So uh, that is the saving grace. I think you covered a lot of the things that I was going to mention as well. I think there is a product market fit. You look at TikTok and you look at stories and you look at short format media. And there absolutely is a product market fit there. But I think the way that they approached it, you know, they're entering a crowded market and they don't really offer anything to differentiate themselves, right? Like who is going to switch over from TikTok or Instagram stories or YouTube or Netflix to watch Quibi? LinkedIn stories. Yeah. Well, LinkedIn (laughs) stories needs to die. But um, (laughs) I think the pricing would have made sense. You know, if you were to pay this for another streaming platform, if it was good, I think it would have been okay. I mean, it's like, Oh, people always say a cup of coffee for a month subscription of blah, blah, blah. So I think that was roughly in range. Clearly, the customer experience wasn't good. Uh, you know, people seemed to download it from the hype and left the platform very quickly. The early days, I mentioned it was top three on the first day of downloads, but then fell out of the top 50 in a week, which means that there wasn't much retention there and that network effects weren't really helping their case in, in any way to get more people in the door. So yeah, I think overall... Good idea, but one that's been explored before, and there's not enough here to differentiate what they're offering compared to their competitors. I'm going to give it a one as well. Awesome. Well, those are our thoughts. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. So tell us more about what you think about Quibi. Send us a message at prodxpodcast on Twitter or Instagram. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. Yeah. And if you like the show, um, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. And let us know what other products that we should review next. See you next episode.